Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And with us today is Dr. Paula McDowell. She's an assistant professor at the University of Saskatchewan, and she is studying XR for teaching and learning. Dr. McDowell, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We're so excited to have you on. Super happy to be here. We would love to just start by hearing about how you became interested in XR for teaching and learning as a, as a subject for academic research. Oh, that's a great question. You know, I've always been interested in technology ever since I was a little girl building things on my grandpa's farm. And I've always been an early adopter of technology. So uh, you, you asked a big question. How do I put it in a simple way? Um, I guess in terms of in terms of immersive realities um, and applications, there is. I think my first time I ever put on a headset was at a SIGGRAPH con um, conference. And I was just really blown away. I played a rhythm kind of game. It wasn't Beat Saber, it was a different one. And was just really blown away and knew that I wanted to, to have more of this in my teaching, except that was very far off from the resources I had. Sure. So yeah, so I started creating augmented reality experiences with my students. Because that was within our realm of what to do. And the very first time that I did, my students and my students are teachers, rather teachers in training or you know teachers who are pursuing a grad degree. And they really love the opportunities to create um, in, a, in an AR code and very different from creating in a PowerPoint presentation because in creating this AR experience, students got to be user experience designers and they got to really pay attention to stand in the shoes of the user or the learner and create this kind of experience. And right from the start, that assignment was like a big hit. And I've been building on that assignment and I, I have over 200 teachers that have created AR code so far. So that, that's kind of in the teaching part. That's incredible. That's super interesting. So yeah. let me let me ask you this: um, What are some of the tools that you're using? Uh, I know there haven't been a lot of longitudinal studies on um, immersive technologies in the classroom, but what are some of your favorite uh, VR AR teaching tools uh, that are out there right now for our listeners to be aware of? Well, just to address your first point on the research, um, not only is there a lack of lack of studies on integrating VR, there's a lack of studies on the pedagogy. And that's where we really need to do more work because it isn't just about the developers building, you know, new technologies and immersive experiences that could be used and, and then integrated. We really need to know the pedagogy of how, when, where, like what's the pre-activity, what's the post-activity. So, so we need a um, much more research on the pedagogy because otherwise it's just, it, it slows down the integration of new technology. So um, pedagogy is just really key for teachers. But in terms of um, 
platforms that are great, especially in the field of education, whether it's in higher ed and teacher education where I work or in K to 12, what we really need are more platforms that are easy entry, but high ceiling. So for instance, I'm really excited about Frame VR because you don't need to have a headset. You can get to creating right within the browser. I've seen experiences that primary students have created and they're just mind blowing what children can create. And then it is very scalable all the way up into higher education. So tools like that are just wonderful because they make the technology accessible and they make it affordable and they give learners the opportunity to create. And for me, that is a big key of why I like immersive technologies is just this opportunity for my students to be creators and designers and makers. And it isn't about a specific tool or technique. It really is about the freedom to create and that we do have agency and we can create and we can build, build worlds and we can tell our own kind of stories and our culture and our values. And we can actually, um, you know, create and, and share with others. So that for me is, is what's most powerful. Um, I last summer had the opportunity to create a brand new course. And so I, of course, created it in VR. And so all our class meetings, we didn't meet on Zoom, like, you know, how we're having this chat right now. We actually met in different social VR platforms and worlds. Um, which I can tell you a few about the, the, the excellent ones that we, that we studied and learned from. And in this course, what was really important, because again, I work with teachers, we don't have a budget or time to learn Unity or Unreal. Um, yeah, it just doesn't, uh, it's not, it's not, not going to happen. Yeah. So it's like, would be a nice dream, but, but uh, not a reality. So what's very important is the worlds that we built, we used, um, we, we had the Oculus Quest headsets, and then we just used the headset and the world builder in Altspace. And we were actually able to create amazing worlds, like just, you know, using the headset. So, so that is um, really important, I think, moving to the future, that again, we have easy entry points for teachers and students to create and you know where where there's um like i said we just needed to have the headset and then what we had is this wonderful community of vr designers who we had the opportunity to learn from and to learn about their um their experiences as designers and some of the pedagogy they put into their world so for instance in this course that I taught, we went into some worlds in alt space that were already built. And one designer in particular, I'll give her a shout out, um, Karen Gibson Highlands. She's designed some amazing worlds for education about the sustainable development goals. So education that is a really strong ethical foundation for people and the planet. And the worlds, um, she created the ocean 
which if you go into this world, it's actually, um, oh, it's quite nauseating. And wow. in, the, in, in the sense of like, not a pleasant experience because you dive into the ocean and you are like swimming around with all the industrial debris and human waste uh, and junk and garbage but you get to experience this and you have like a, a, a pedagogical encounter and you have a situated kind of learning with with what is actually happening and she's designed a few other worlds she's designed a plastic mountain world um, to learn all about the to teach and learn all about the terrible effects of um, plastic waste in our world and and the goal there is to like you know get people thinking about how do we transform this right and food waste is another world that she created and this is a world that has i'll just put this one as an example of how immersive technologies can really fill a, a problem of learning or a problem of practice that we have in teaching um, in this particular world on food waste the students get to explore the world and have a guided learning adventure about the cycle of production and consumption in both overdeveloped worlds and underdeveloped worlds. So, which the cycle of production and consumption is actually quite different. But you get to explore this space in a guided, um, guided kind of inquiry. There's, there's like stops along the way to think and explore and act and, and, and do and, um, pause and just really be challenged. Um, but what is really exciting about this space is like a one hour VR field trip is equivalent to like what you could do in a one month unit plan, or it's equivalent to like a week's worth of field trips because you really get to see the whole cycle of, of production and consumption. And it's uh, just very effective. So and effective for teaching concepts that are actually very hard and complex for teachers to teach in their classrooms. So here, you're nodding your head, like you get to really, um, you get to be part of the experience. And instead of just learning about facts or watching a video passively, you actually, you know, you're challenged and you learn by being part of the story, by being part of this experience and that's how you remember what you've learned is, is from being part of the story. Absolutely. So, so there's this amazing idea that you've put into the space that VR, virtual reality hacks time and space. And so it takes content and it condenses it in this, uh, you know, in this deliverable that allows kids to learn things twice as fast, retain them twice as long. That's really compelling. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what are the barriers? What's the other side of this, which is what are the barriers to having a full-on virtual reality school. Like we saw in the pandemic, uh, crisis school and Zoom school and the, and the checkerboard of faces. Uh, what do you think needs to happen? And, or do you think it is possible for, uh, you know, tomorrow a online school to populate that would be exclusively in VR? Love it. And I want to teach in it. So. Awesome. 
Awesome. That, that, that's my first response. I know the course that I taught last summer on designing immersive learning experiences. It was wonderful. Um, you asked a, a whole series of beautiful questions wrapped up into that. And I think it, you know, it really goes down to what is the problem of learning? So what is the need for the VR school, right? Like you have to think about that because we have this long history of technology and education and education moves very slow and technology moves very fast. Absolutely. And then education is always kind of chasing the technology that's moving really fast. And then what happens is, is the technology is not integrated in a meaningful way. And it just, you don't have that robust learning. And then technology is critiqued for, for not delivering on its promises, but usually the problem is the integration or lack of pedagogy. But I really appreciate your comment, Adam, because I teach in an online grad program. And then I teach a course to our undergrad students, and that's online. So I will not be doing face-to-face -face teaching likely ever again in my career. So, wow. so for me, like the comparing to a face-to-face -face classroom doesn't, isn't really a measure because I teach online. So, and that is because students demand it. So we have, um, we have a wonderful um, graduate program in educational technology and design. We have students from all over Canada who, who join into our program. We have some students who are also from other countries and there is a strong demand for this program. So that, that's the demand for our program. So we do our best to deliver um, an amazing online grad program. Uh, so going back to your question about the VR school, so, so therein is, you know, as time evolves, and if that is um, a better pedagogy and a better kind of experience for students, well, then there's a need for that kind of school. And what the pandemic has shown is that Zoom is... Zoom was not designed for teaching and learning. Zoom was designed for meetings, right? Professional meetings. It wasn't designed for learning experiences. It wasn't like, even if you compared a Zoom breakout room, you know, where you're assigned to that particular breakout room, you can't really leave it until the instructor says one minute left and you return to the large group, like very confined boundaries. But if you have breakout groups in a spatial environment, you know, where you have the, um, where you have the, you can have one room and have the, you know, the, the spatial tables turned on so that you, everyone can have, be having their own conversation or, or sharing their key takeaways. But you can actually move around a little bit. You know, if your group didn't work, you can move to another group, like kind of politely. So you get, it's just a different experience there entirely in terms of, um, in terms of how you can interact with other people and how you can have conversations in meaningful ways and how you can make your curriculum more relational and more personalized to students. So it just that technology can build some of the, the immersive technology can build some of those 
relational and contextual pieces when you're meeting in an online space. So, and again, it isn't, it isn't a replace face-to-face -face learning or say one is necessarily better than the other. It's just that it's not always an option. And in a world where, uh, you know, we're paying attention to, to climate change action and, you know, we're, we're, we're meeting virtually becomes a much more sustainable solution than, um, than a lot of traveling to meetings and conferences or, or for, you know, for learning, you know, it can, it can really play a big role there. That's tremendous. Um, I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier about the history of ed tech and the lack of high quality integration. And, uh, you know, one of the things that Adam and I have talked about a lot uh, together is how a lot of the educators we know are kind of uh, once bitten, twice shy, I guess you could say, about education technology. And, you know, having lived through a few of those poor integration efforts myself as an educator, I can certainly relate to that. But the other thing that Adam and I always talk about is this time it's different, right? Like this time, if we integrate VR correctly, if we implement this correctly, then what we have here is a tool that can really remove all the obstacles we've ever had to implementing the sort of pedagogies that people like, you know, Dewey and Montessori and, and Francis Parker have been talking about, you know, for, for over a century now that we've, we've known that this is what students need. We've known that this is best practices and we've had all of these obstacles in place, but now VR kind of has the power to remove some of those obstacles. I'm wondering, you know, as you work in particular with teachers who are more experienced, maybe coming back to school for a graduate degree or what have you, um, do you find some resistance from them about implementing VR? And if so, what do you say to them to convince them that, no, this time is different? You know, I don't convince people. Uh, I share my passion and love for immersive technologies, for VR, for creating. I share that. You know, I, I'm not a salesperson. I share what I'm, what I am overflowing with, passionate about, and it's contagious. You know, other teachers catch on and they want to learn and they want to, they want to explore and they want to uh, try things out. So, so I found that approach is how I've just approached um, all my work in the immersive spaces and not only with teachers, but also with youth. So I've worked with youth to create a, an immersive theater project. I've worked with the girl guides to tell their stories about sustainability um, in VR. And it's the same thing. I share my passion and why I love VR. And, you know, I, I let others make the decision for themselves. I think that what I've done in my classes when I tend to um, encourage students to work in pairs and pairs that where students, you don't have like one expert and someone who's brand new to technology. So I find that working with a partner really helps because students can resolve problems together, have funds creating together, but they can be very authentic and they can say, well, this confuses me, does it confuse you? And they work out their problems. But once they get rolling, um, students, like my students love designing and creating. I mean, it's not really a hard sell, especially 
when you focus on giving learners agency and empower them to be creators and immersive storytellers. And my role is always just to kind of keep giving students a gentle creative push and see how I can make them go a little bit farther. So that's what I found really works well for me um, is just inspiring creativity in people and what the what the the digital tools in 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 XR, whether it's an AR application or a VR application or um, you know some kind of hybrid application, that it's the opportunity to create and to really express yourself and to learn and share. Like that's that's um, it's moving towards the global classroom, right? Where we can really connect and learn from other people, and that is just really exciting. It's an exciting time to be an educator. Sure. Now, now, Paula, you know, you know, Socrates was, of course, skeptical of books. He thought that men would lose their memories and no longer be great orators. Where, where do you see uh, legit, legitimate criticisms of virtual reality? And, you know, we're a very pro VR podcast, obviously, Ready Teacher One. But where should our listeners pause and channel their inner Socrates and introduce some skepticism uh, for the technology? Where, where might you find your, your own pause? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and yes, historically, we, we did have different cultures where, you know, we, we trusted speech. We didn't trust what was written down on paper because anybody could have wrote that down on the paper, right? So if, if someone said something, you knew it was credible and that we could believe it. And, you know, then we switched into a print culture and, you know, now the, now the lawyers are going to rule us all, like in terms of what's on text and, and uh, is, is kind of the, the uh, that's what's most important. Uh, I think what, big concerns that we have to do more research around is in terms of privacy, is in terms of ethics, and ethics in terms of, like, even for me, it's, it's um, teaching world building with ethics in mind, like teaching how do we create immersive learning experiences that are for people and the planet, wow. because we can do that, right? So, we, but we need to teach it. So if we are not, if we don't teach it, and if we're not building a momentum around it, then, you know, it doesn't happen. Like it, it only happens what we build. So so, 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 so let me get this straight. You would like someone to build a school completely in virtual reality that focuses on teaching virtue and ethics. Is that correct? <laughs> you know, the only thing I'd say is actually that teaches on the SDGs, sustainable development goals. So we have the Agenda 2030, and we're not on track for meeting these goals. So right. we need all the support that we can. And what immersive technologies afford is they're fun, they're a great communication tool, and they're also a good way to get us to pay attention and to raise awareness. And, you know, if that can have ripple effects and translate into action, then Actually, yeah, I'd really like to see that because we have to get, we've got to get moving on these, these goals. Very true. Yeah, As we look at um, 
school districts considering implementing VR widespread, you know, scaling VR up. What are some of the, the unknowns that you would love to see folks doing research about as we consider, you know, how to best implement VR at scale rather than just one class at a time? What are, what are some of the, the research questions that you would love folks to start asking? Well, number one on top of my list is pedagogy. And I talked about that a little bit before, but we really need to have best practices on how to integrate uh, immersive learning experiences and how to assess the learning and how to, um, you know, where does it fit in terms of curriculum? So we, we just need like a lot more data around pedagogy, like it doesn't exist. So until we, until we kind of get more mass data there, we actually really don't know the what works best or how it works best or why it works best. So we still need some of that data to um, inform decisions. So, so backtrack into the question you asked me before um, in my own courses, I love VR. I share that with my students and it works. But if you take another instructor who doesn't love VR and teachers who don't typically have training in ed tech, then you know you don't have that same result. So, so we really need more research uh, around the pedagogy. That would be top of my list. And you know, then second on my list is just the the platforms for students to create. Like that's what I'm really excited about is opportunities for students to to be creators and especially to be creators in the tech sphere. So in terms of giving them agency in also like learning to be part of shaping, creating our technological future to come. So I think schools need to think about that because we need platforms that also comply with privacy. Um, so that's another big one. So there needs to be some investment there in terms of the, in terms of what tools work best and um, in my opinion, just the opportunity to create and and not just to create, but but to share and then learn from others is is uh, and in in an immersive kind of experience way, right? Is For just sure. uh, that'd be number two on my list. That's tremendous, and it, that's definitely something that Adam and I are excited about as well. I mean, the the ability to be creative is uh, it's such a, a unique opportunity in VR in particular, right? Um, Switching gears just a little bit, I would love to hear, you know, as we look at different ways to implement VR and AR in classrooms across the country um, and across North America, I should say, I, sorry for my Amerocentric question phrasing there. Um, but, uh, you know, as we look at implementing uh, immersive technologies in a more widespread way and we start to think about um, equity and we start to think about students who are at the margin and, and traditionally marginalized communities and stuff, how should we go about making sure that VR helps all students and not just the privileged few? Well, that's a, a long-standing um, question in terms of ed tech, right? So that's why you know we have the digital divide, and the the reality is we live in a world that is not um, fair. We live in a world that has privilege. We live in a world, I, I, you know, I, I could throw out some stats there, but um, let's keep this light as a podcast. But, 
you know, we, we have extreme inequity in our world and it is uh, incredibly problematic. So that's hence some of my discussion so far on the SDGs and, and on really looking to making a future that's better for all people and the planet. Um, I think the pandemic has also shown uh, the extreme inequities around technology that have also been a little bit hidden or else they've been just, you know, we haven't been paying attention to it because with the switch to remote learning and, you know, then you see, you know, what devices and you need, it, not everybody even has internet connectivity. So um, that's, that's a big number one is in our world, we need to have good kind of internet connection for everybody. And I can't make that happen and you can't make that happen, but we need to press our leaders in terms of uh, making this happen because that's a, a big first step to, to having a connected world is actually to having the connectivity. And I live in a province that is a very, um, we have many rural students in our province and they don't have good internet. Some of my students use their cell phone to you know, connect into class. So, I mean, that's, that's, um, those are privileged people and they're still, you know, that's the best internet that they have. So, um, so it's, it's a big question, but at the same time, you know, there's always like many, many balls that are, you know, we have to juggle. And I think at the same time as really trying to address equity and uh, equity is also not the same for everybody, but as we try to address equity around tech, um, part of that as well is, uh, you know, I think of myself as an early adopter of technology, um, but it's because I want to work on the ethics and I want, like, if we don't have if, if, we, if we don't have folks who are early adopters and working on ethical frameworks and working on, um, you know, making, making that part of our technologies to come, then it doesn't happen. And then that's the same thing with, you know, privacy and, um, and other, other more um, ethical topics like that. So, so we, you know, we, we need to keep, keep moving on all the, all the channels. Well, and is, in, so, in some ways as well, I'll just add that like immersive technologies can actually make learning more accessible. So I said that I teach in a province where we have many rural students and a problem for rural students is in those schools, they don't have um, the same science labs that you would have in a city school. But if you have access to immersive technologies, you can actually do some of those labs. And even if you don't have, you know, the, the physics teacher at your school, you can actually get some of that more advanced learning um, as long as you have, you know, a, a headset and an internet connection and the right application to you. So technology can actually bridge some of those gaps for students. We've, we've come to the point of our show where we are doing our furious five, but uh, this is like, this is something we have to, to put a pin in and continue the conversation because it is a, a incredibly robust conversation about not only access, but, but also how VR might be able to be an empathy machine 
how we might uh, help folks, um, you know, walk a mile in somebody else's avatar. So it's, you're, you're spot on in, in where you are, but I'd like to lighten it up a little bit, Ryan, if you don't mind, and, uh, and bring it to the Furious Five. So we call this segment of the show, the Furious Five. It's just five questions that have usually nothing to do with any of what we've talked about tonight. They're just more lighthearted, get to know you sort of fun questions to end on a high note. Uh, we encourage rapid fire answers short to the point you know that's why it's the furious five so without any further ado question number one dr mcdowell what is the best tv or show or movie that you have watched recently oh i've been watching tv with my son so um i watch all he's he's 10 years old and uh, you know i've got to say avatar um there you go, there you go. I have a 10-year-old son, and I watch a lot of TV with him, too. So cheers to that. That's awesome. And I've learned to now be a waterbender and a firebender. And I have all these amazing powers that I didn't know that I had. So, Oh, that's awesome. For me, it's uh, been learning how to be a better Mandalorian. So, uh, But I relate. Question number two of the Furious Five. What's the best meal you've eaten recently? Oh, everything my husband cooks. He's been off work. He's the pilot. He's been off work since last March. And so, so this morning I had steak and eggs and potatoes and mushrooms and it was delicious. Nice. And something amazing for supper to come. That's amazing. Question number three, what is the best book that you have ever read? Oh, the best book that I have ever read. Yeah. That is a crazy question. Uh, you know what? The best book that I have ever read is a book that will be soon to be published soon. I'm actually an editor, a co-editor of a book on immersive education, designs for learning, and working with some wonderful authors on very practical and useful chapters for teachers and designers to create or implement immersive experiences. So Best book is going to be the one that I am that I'm co-editing right now. That's super exciting. I can't wait to read that as well. Question number four is a thought leader that our listeners should stop what they're doing right now and either go find on social media or listen to a TED talk by or, or read a book by who's, who's a thought leader that our listeners need to stop what they're doing right now and, and go find out more about. Um, honestly, well, my hero is um, Jeffrey Sachs. So in terms of his leadership for, for um, bettering the future of the planet, I, everything, every, get on his email list you'll learn so much more about our world um watch all his talks and videos that's who i'd recommend that's awesome the last question of the furious five we like to call the contrarian question and it's uh it's really adam's question so at this point in the show i always turn the mic back over to him adam you want to take us away absolutely paul what is it that you know to be true about immersive learning design that other researchers would disagree with you on? Oh, that is a great question. That's a great question. You know, I think I would just answer it and I would say that I unequivocally have colleagues who are not as passionate about, about immersive technologies as I am. And 
I have colleagues who think that, you know, the best approach is actually the, the, um, you know, the, the simplest approach. So not the approach where everyone's on this learning curve to create and explore and um, dive into all these new kind of adventures. I know that I have colleagues that would say that, um, how is this better than a PowerPoint? And I would have to explain. There you go. Dr. Paula McDowell, it has been such a tremendous pleasure to talk with you this evening. Um, we're so grateful that you took some time out of your busy schedule to come and chat with us. Where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, they can find me pretty much anywhere on social media. Just look for my name, Paula McDowell. I'm on public everywhere, Instagram. I have Twitter, uh, Discord, Facebook any of those channels, you can reach me and, and I'll respond. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again. We look forward to chatting with you some more, hopefully in the very near future. And uh, yeah, can't wait to, to read the book that you're editing. Thank you so much. Great questions. Thank you. Have a good night. Thank you. Take care. You are amazing. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.